Looks like my mic turned off. There we go. Aloha, everyone. I'm Felicia Miller Johnson, and welcome to another episode of All Intuitive Conversation. I am happy to connect with Branch Isole, who is also in the same state that I am, and that is a first. So help me to welcome to the stage, Branch. Aloha, Branch. Aloha, Felicia. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you? I am well also. Thank you. Yes. So I saw on a post that you had on LinkedIn that you are in the same state that I am located, which is Arkansas. So I do believe that is a first. So welcome. So tell me, are you from Arkansas? No, not originally. Um, this is where we ended up when my wife uh, retired and uh, we love it. We I used to travel this area for business and so I was familiar with its natural beauty and and it was a great place for us to to finally settle down. So we've we've enjoyed all of the years that we've been here. Well, it is the the natural state. So there are lots of different things we do to nature. Do you enjoy nature? I do. Um I, I live down the road from you, but I live in the forest. So we have um, lots of critters and, and lots of natural visitors. And uh, <laughs> we really enjoyed, you know, this rural lifestyle. Uh, my wife and I originally both spent much of our corporate lives, you know, in the big city. And so it's, it's very different from those days and uh, much needed and welcomed respite. Okay. So tell me about the big city. Where, where, where was that? Oh, well, my wife was in Phoenix. I was in Los Angeles. Um, oh, big city. We actually met, we actually met in Hawaii and we lived in Hawaii for 12 years. So that was the, the big downturn from the city to the rural life. <laughs> the downturn. <laughs> Hawaii is a downturn. That's cute. <laughs> Okay, so before you you came to Arkansas, like so, you were working in the in Los Angeles. So tell me a little bit about your career and and the trajectory that it went on. Sure, um, yeah. I'm a child of the '50s and '60s. Uh, my family was military, so we traveled quite a bit. Got a lot of exposure to different cultures, you know, and different people. Yes. Uh, I went I went to college in Texas. And then when I got out of school, I was in the corporate world and uh, did quite a bit of travel uh, in sales and marketing. And from that adventure, I, I sort of went back to California and lived up in the mountains in a rural area outside of Los Angeles. So I got into the city, you know, occasionally and for business, but tried not to be in the high density so much. And mm -hmm. from there, I moved to Hawaii, and that's where I met my wife, and we were there for 12 years. And from there, we moved to Virginia. She took a, a job supervising in a storage facility in the high-density Virginia Beach area. So we were there for about a decade. Mm -hmm. Well, um there are lots of similarities to our story branch. So military background, I have that as well. And, and that's exactly how I would describe it as 
we got to, you know, move around, live in diverse communities, that whole experience. The fact that you lived in Hawaii, I also lived in Hawaii as as well. So I'm like, okay, we were definitely connecting on that. And then the fact that now we both live in <laughs> Arkansas as well, um, it's like interesting. Okay. So so with your career in the corporate, what did you do? Uh, well, I started out as a classroom teacher, and then I became a middle school administrator. And then I left education and went into um, textbook sales. I actually worked for one of the large textbook publishing houses, and uh, we sold textbooks to teachers. And that was my uh, corporate experience primarily was uh, in the publication and, and education fields of uh, textbook sales and marketing. Uh-huh. And so is that what you do now? Oh, no, no. That was, you know, in a past life. Uh, now I'm an author. Um, I, I write fiction and nonfiction books. Um, I've written 22 different books, some for the Christian market and the seekers and searchers market for spiritual belief systems, and then a lot of short stories and poetry for the secular market. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so when um, I was just like shuffling the cards, the whole sun came out. And so with the, the picture I'm noticing here is like the, pu the publisher and the, the writing in papers. And then the sun Im immediately was um, the Hawaii because that was the, the theme of that. And then there's this kid back here in the background, like the past life that you had with the whole education um, and all that. So, and it seems like, you know, you pretty much had, you know, good time, joy, success in, in your life. So tell me about a time that you found challenging in your career journey. Well, like a lot of people, you know, I, who embrace the ways of the world, I had a lot of success in, in the corporate sales and marketing field. And mm -hmm. it consumed a lot of my time and energy. Mm -hmm. You know, anytime you start climbing that corporate ladder, uh, yeah, the, the mm -hmm. time and energy is, is devoted, you know, in that arena at the expense of uh, anything else in your life. And so, Although it was a, a successful career, it was not really a fulfilling career. And as a result, um, I, I lost everything, basically. I lost my family. I lost my house. I ended up homeless. Um, so I went from very high to very low. And for about 15 years, I was on this sort of um, seven years in Tibet kind of an experience um, trying to self-discover you know who I was what I'm trying to do who I'm trying to be and the conflict between that success of the world and what else is there so you know after a decade or so of success in the corporate world I spent a decade at the other end of the spectrum and like I say, I was um, homeless and broke and had lost my family. 
and you know had hit rock bottom pretty much and mm. from there i started studying different belief systems and, and eastern uh, mysticism and, and eastern religions and that kind of thing and it set me on a track or on a purpose of trying to find you know truth and what that looked like for me in my life so that was my turning point and from there then i i got back on track and after about a decade of searching and wondering and discovering uh, i sat down and and started writing and that was about two decades ago uh, mm. so that's where the authorship venture came to pass this card is now making more and more sense because i'm like basically like this is you like i said now you have this whole writing in, in public and then you know you you have this fireside over here that um but yeah it's like in your hand it could burn you and be dangerous at the same time but it's also a light and then uh, like i said you were talking about the time but then i thought okay as you were sharing your story that at some point you hit like this this brick wall like like i said talking about homelessness and all of that but now it's like that's all a part of your story you're floating upon that like you said you went on this whole enlightenment kind of journey to learn more about yourself because the other card that had came out was connected with the ego. But then, as you can see, there was a time that <laughs> she thought, you know, she, that, you know, I was chained. I was not able to see. But then you were, you know, broken free, you know, from all of that. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm following, following along um, with that. So, tell me about that moment where like you said you're at your rock bottom what was the instance where you said i'm ready to ascend back up like i am ready to release homelessness i'm ready to release all of this struggle what was it that precipitous moment that was like this is going to be different tell me about that sure i was i was um living outside of the law and uh, subsequently got arrested and was facing 99 years in prison. Wow, the freedom and, from the chains. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, that when the door slammed on the cell, I knew at that moment that my life you know, needed to go in a completely different direction than it had been and that was sort of my awakening moment um, as things worked out <clears throat> the case against me was dropped after several months and i was free again but by that experience i had decided to change paths to change courses in my life you know and become a different person than i had been uh, that ended me up, you know, facing that kind of a, a confinement, long-term confinement. So that was a changing moment for me, obviously. I, I was at rock bottom and I managed to survive that situation. So I began back, you know, basically square one, ground zero, and started to rebuild my life um, in, a, in a different path with different grounding as you know, my compass or my direction. Yeah. It, 
Yeah, I'm like literally that displays that because then it says the illusion of being trapped, accepting responsibility for your situation and then make choices. And it's like, that's literally what you did. You accepted the situation and it was like, you got this, this grace to come in and didn't have to do that. But then it says um, the support to, you know, the path to happiness that you're, sounds like you're on now. It talks about addictions or unhealthy habits at that time. But so, okay. So, wow. Um, so you're transitioning from that and you're now where you are what encouragement would you give someone in the experience that you were in similar to that like what words of encouragement would you give wow what a great question um you know we all face challenges and struggle in our lives in our daily lives um no one is immune to uh, things not going well or not going right. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, what, what a lot of people discover and a lot of people miss is that every choice that we make has consequences. Mm -hmm. And some of those consequences, you know, can be substantial and life-changing. And when we... Um, strive so much for fulfillment, you know, oftentimes we, we get to where that place where we're trying to get that square peg in a round hole. And mm -hmm. we think that, well, all we need is a bigger hammer, right? And, and we keep pounding away trying to make it happen because that's what we want. And the reality is, you know, if there's a red flag there and I'm not paying attention to it, then I'm missing forewarning. That red flag. Of, mm -hmm. yeah, of, of, the, of a consequence that's not in my best interest. So I think, you know, the biggest growth moment for me in that um, coming out of that struggle was realizing that every choice I make is going to have a consequence. And, you know, can I reflect back on my past experiences to transfer that consequence to my now choice or decision? You know, we, we repeat a lot of uh, choices in our life, hoping that it will be better or different this time. And the reality mm -hmm. is if it's not a good choice, if it's not in my best interest, then there's a good chance that the consequence is also not going to be in my best interest. So growth is about realizing that perhaps I need to, you know, make a different choice, take a different path rather than trying to force, you know, the same consequence with a different reality that I want when mm. that reality, you know, isn't in my best interest. It's all about choice and consequence. And that's what I've learned. And that's where growth seems to come from is realizing, you know, the consequence can be good, bad, or ugly. So I have to yes. determine, can I determine before going through the process, you know, can I sidestep that adversity? And if, if we're growing, then we see that reality and we can make a different choice. 
if we were if we refuse to and we just trying to keep putting that square peg in the round hole then there's a good chance that consequence is going to be a negative outcome <laughs> so again you use the terminology right back to that car when you're talking about the red flag is like yeah you know noticing those things that are in your situation um then i was also called to go to the us being in the natural state and there's lots of animals here so i was called to go to the um spirit animals and i got the message about the otter as you were sharing that story and is talking about you know surrender and letting go of control and it says letting go of control doesn't mean giving up giving up means throwing up your hands up in the air in a mission of defeat instead true surrender means releasing any attempts to force your agenda on life it means opening your hands and heart and accepting the direction of spirit in that acceptance you will become the will of spirit and life flows much more easily through through you and as you uh and it talks about additional meaning talks about sensuality merging familyness and playfulness so it's like yeah you know, we have these incidences that happen into our life, but it doesn't mean, you know, throwing up your hands and, and giving up, but really it was a surrender of like, yeah, I'm ready to break free, breaking these chains, um, you know, with that. So that way I can, as you were saying, go forth and do, you know, your work, hands are up, but it's not in, in surrender. So that's like totally, you know, amazing. Um experience with that so now that you're you know you're doing business and you're in the natural state and you're helping other um, authors tell me about the client that you enjoy working with wow well i you know that's a hard hard one to answer i don't work directly with clients you know my my goal and my purpose in the mm -hmm. writing is to enable and help um, readers go into that experience of self-reflection you know i write mm -hmm. about life situations that adults are familiar with and and in those story scenarios uh, there's always, you know, a protagonist and an antagonist, but there's always a lesson to be learned, you know. And as the as the reader goes through the story, um, hopefully, it's designed that they can self reflect and see themselves in the same situation. And then, as the protagonist, you know, comes out the other end, either successfully or unsuccessfully, mm -hmm. um, the lesson that's to be learned, you know, from the plot and the characters, the reader can then reflect, you know, back to their own struggle, their own life situation. Um, a lot of my, it's interesting, a lot of people tell me, oh, I read your book and I really liked some of the stories, I identified with them. And I really didn't like some of the other stories because I identified <laughs> with them. And, uh, you know, people say, well, you have such a, a mix of different stories. I have 52 stories in, in each book. And that's by design so that the reader can read one story a week 
finish the book in a year and have time to reflect on, you know, what they've read. And so because I deal with so many different adult issues, um, mm -hmm. you know, running the spectrum, they can always find a story that they identify with that's taking place in their own life or in the life of somebody, you know, close to them or important to them. So that's the idea is to, you know, present a self-reflective story that will help the, the reader subsequently grow in their own situation. So, if, <laughs> if, you know, in, in terms of your question, then the reader is my client. Okay. So what does 52, why 52? Well, it's 52 weeks in a year. And, you know, I find that although the shores, stories are very short or brief, um, the emotion and the situation that they deal with are sometimes pretty complex and pretty deep. So by allowing the reader to only have you know dedicate X amount of time to the story, it gives them lots of time to reflect and extrapolate. Did the story mean anything to me? What did it tell me? What did it help me see in my own life? It's just a you know a contextual thing of of trying to help people uh, because it's not a novel. You know, you can you can pick any story in any order, so it gives you some flexibility. Basically, fifty-two stories is one for each week. <laughs> okay. Well, there is another reading for you for um, fifty-two. So I was like, okay. Um, so um, as you were talking about before, you're familiar with Psalms is is one of the mm -hmm. books, and so I was like, okay, I was called to go to Psalms fifty-two. In Psalms fifty-two is encourages individuals to read this chapter when suffering injustice. So it's like connected to the whole story. And so I want to wrap up with encouraging with what it says in Psalms 52. Why boastest thy thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue is devilish mischief like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. Thou lovest all devouring, de, excuse me, devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever, and he shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place, and root thee out of the land of the living, Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him. Though this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in the in the wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. Amen. Amen. Branch. Thank you so much for connecting with me today and sharing your story and encouraging all those individuals watching us to live smart and ascend to new levels of success. Until we meet again next week. Thank you. Thank you so much.